presented by the Hockey Shop. Source for sports story, thehockeyshop.com. This is Ingle Radio, the podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Darren Millard. And today we are going to go halfway around the world to Sweden and the goalie guru of the Swedish Ice Hockey Association, Thomas Magnuson. This is a fascinating interview that covers decades of goaltending and a lot of names you may have forgotten a little bit about, but will come flooding back and will also deal with how you train your goaltenders from a not just association level, local rink, your local minor hockey team, but also from a national perspective. Thomas Magnuson is a fascinating interview, and he catches up with Kevin Woodley as those two go back and forth. We will also chat with Goalie Gear Nerd. He is one of the uh, social media's leaders as far as goaltending equipment is concerned. We'll give you an idea of what to expect in the year 2020 as we bring in the co-founders of In Goal Magazine, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison. Hutch has been working long and hard getting ready for the holidays as he balances his work as uh, both our father, our dad, and uh, and the editor. I don't know whether you're the editor-in-chief, but you're certainly our conscience. How are you holding up? Are you, are you keeping it together over there? Um, 100%. I'm not ready for the holidays at all, but thankfully I've got a wife who supports me hugely. So the family's ready for the holidays. Uh, I've been spending all my time getting in gold premium rolling out and we're really excited about what's been happening there. We've got all kinds of fantastic content on there, all sorts of insider pro content and the memberships are, are flooding in, especially at the holidays. We uh, set up a site so that people can give gift subscriptions and send nice messages to members of their family who are goaltenders and uh, just been great to welcome so many new people to the fold. And the content is fantastic. Uh, Woodley, you're responsible for a lot of the stuff that's, uh, that's ending up on uh, Ingle Premium. Uh, are you happy with what uh, what's happened so far? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little tough over the Christmas holidays, and I maybe maybe picking a ten game home stand for the or a 10, 10, 10 home game month for the Canucks wasn't the best idea to roll it out. But thankfully, uh, in addition to looking after us, and this is the hardest part for Hutch as our dad is he has to the children always misbehave at Christmas, and uh, he's had to tighten the reins on me a few times here. Um, you know, frankly, Darren, I may be gathering the material. But without Hutch basically going no sleep to produce it, none of this happens. So he's been just absolutely killing it. Between the two of us, we have had a fair bit of good stuff up there. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. And, and what I'm really excited about is where it's going to go. You talk about year end and moving forward um, 2020, because right now it's just the tip of the iceberg. The pro reads have been great. The gear segments have been great. We've got a lot of new features that we're going to roll out in 2020. And I'm excited to uh, get back from a little bit of a Christmas vacation. The gear, the equipment, the gear equipment the content was still coming but it's really going to pick up when we get back early in the new year well you know what gear content equipment it's all the same thing it all rolls into one and you're right the uh, hutch has been uh, doing double duty and keeping us uh, in in order and uh, he's he's just about to snap so let's get right into this episode and make sure that uh, that we're ready to go and we're off and running and if anybody wants to do that uh, christmas thing and you have not uh, Given uh, the gift or found the right gift, uh, the Hockey Shop, Sorcerer Sports, thehockeyshop.com uh, is a good place to start. Absolutely. Um, first of all, you got to get your in goal premium subscription. That's the first step. But the, then if you're looking for something a little bigger ticket, uh, make sure you check out the folks at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. If you're here in the Lower Mainland, visit them in person out in Surrey. Um, that's where we go to get our gear. 
Uh, we're going to give Cam the week off from our gear segment because he's been working so hard getting all the specials, all the latest gear. The best part about the new year is all the fresh stuff is going to roll in in April. So make sure you check out the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com for some of the sales on last year's gear that are going to start to appear here early in 2020 as they try and lean out the supplies before all the new stuff comes in for March and April. Uh, I've told you guys many times before, there's a reason you go to the hockey shop. It's not just a bunch of kids on the floor. It's goalies who know the position, understand the position, and will get you the gear that help you play the position better. That's why we shop at the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com. That's why you should shop there as well. Uh, looking for lots more exciting things with Cam and the crew from the hockey shop in 2020. Yeah, you know what? A year ago at this time, we weren't even doing this. And now, oh, what? 49 episodes in, 125 episodes in, 275,000 episodes in, we're rolling along. I'm just looking ahead to the future, trying to be like uh, Cam and, and Ghoulie Gear Nerd and, and this incredible... Uh, podcast uh, that we have going with uh, Ingoal Radio, the podcast. We want to get uh, to the feature interview right away. And this is uh, this is an intriguing one because I I know Thomas Magnuson, but I don't, I, I've never met him and been able to, to spend a lot of time with him. So the interview that Kevin Woodley conducts with Thomas uh, is one of those uh, real fly on the wall uh, conversations. It covers everything from mentions of the old GP21 which Hutch, which uh, Hutch and I both can relate to, uh, the old Cooper gear, as soon as he started talking about that, all the way up to how you sharpen your skates and the relationship of skates and sharpness to hip injuries and through the dilemma that we're all dealing with uh, at both the kid level and the adult level of, of hip injuries. It covers a wide-ranging conversation. And Woody, uh, just before we get to the interview, give us uh, sort of your takeaway from it. I, I, I honestly is kind of at a loss for words when it comes to talking to Thomas Magnuson. We've had the pleasure of talking to him before at different conferences. Uh, he's been the head of the Swedish uh, goaltending uh, for the Swedish Ice Hockey Association for, as he said, like 12, 13 years. He's just one of those guys that has a passion that, for the position. You can talk goaltending with him for hours and always come away with new insights and new ideas every time you do. He really drives a lot of the innovation there. And what I like what he's done, and he'll get into it, is it's not all about him. It's it's about sort of, you know, being at the top and overseeing and make sure that people are in the right place to have it trickle down to all the various levels through the club teams so that they're uh, his philosophy on creating better don't worry about creating better goalies, just create better goalie coaches and the rest will follow. I mean, all things we get into in the conversation. There were so many good takeaways and you know, I think that's why Sweden has been on the cutting edge of developing goaltenders for 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 a while now. And I think having guys like Thomas in charge of it are why they'll continue to be on the cutting edge of, you know, not just building better goaltenders, but building healthier goaltenders through some of the studies they've done with the hip injuries and the groin injuries and all things we talk about in this conversation. The model of creating better goaltenders in the nation of Sweden is one of the great takeaways from this interview. The feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports, Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Here's Kevin Woodley with Thomas Magnuson. Thomas Magnuson is joining us on the In Goal Radio podcast this week, uh, live from Sweden. Well, I guess not live. We're recording it, but from Sweden. Um, this is this is exciting for me. It's been a while since we've seen each other. A couple of years back in Nashville at the Network Symposium, and it's always good to catch up with you. I was trying to think of how to introduce you, and I I, I was kind of just left with the godfather of Swedish goaltending. Is that cool? 
that's co- cool for me. Uh, <laughs> I've been known uh, by several different names, but that, that's a good one. Uh, some people would even <laughs> say the godfather of European goaltending. I mean, uh, I was looking, you know, looking back through the uh, your record as a goaltending coach. The one thing that jumped out at me is like like early '80s, Thomas. Like in a lot of ways, you predated. You know, we talk a lot over here about Francois Lair being the first goaltending coach at the professional level with the Montreal Canadiens. So that's kind of '85, '86. But you started with your garden way back in '83. So. Uh, maybe we've been giving credit to the wrong person in terms of the pro level. So walk our listeners through your history, playing and then into coaching and how you got started. It's a big question, but uh, just just give yeah. us a little bit of that background. I played uh, youth hockey and uh, junior A in, in Stockholm in, in different clubs, a really uh, local area club where I play youth hockey. And... Um, I actually went to, to the States to play a prep school hockey for one year and they, then came back to Sweden and played junior A uh, in one of the Stockholm uh, sort of, we, we have this uh, uh, top to bottom system. So, so the, the pro team would have a junior A team, right? And I played for the junior A's of uh, AIK, which is one of the Stockholm based clubs. And uh, almost at that time, I, I, I started to get into coaching. I started coaching uh, youth goalies in my old club. And uh, actually, I got introduced to goaltending coaching, goalie coaching, when I was in the States. I uh, Just coincidentally, I ran into Joe Batania, uh, who was at the time a local goalie coach in Massachusetts. Later, he became the goalie coach of the Bruins. And uh, I, I just one of my first days in the states, I, I, I stepped into a, a local rink in Natick, Massachusetts, and there was a goalie session on the ice, and that really hit me that you know you can do so much for goalies. So I actually got it from North America. Uh, coming back home, I, uh, I, I as I mentioned, I, I played two more years of hockey, and uh, then I started figuring out. What should I do if I want to get into coaching and specifically goalie coaching? And uh, the best route for me would be um, physical education. So I went to college and majored in physical education. And um, after that, that was in 1983, I contacted one of my old coaches who at the time was head coach of uh, Actually, the Swedish championship team in the pro league the year prior to my myself asking him, why don't why don't you have a goalie coach? And uh, well, that that was in '83, and I stayed on until 2005 with that club. So that was uh, 22 years. Just a little 22 year run there, <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. So, so what uh, you've seen it all? You've seen the complete evolution of the game. Um, I mean, I'm guessing when you played, what was the style like? What was the equipment like? And, and compared to now, you've, you, you really have had a front row seat for the evolution of goaltending to where we see it now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> at the time, uh, we didn't see a lot of NHL hockey. Uh, we, we could see it in, you know, some clips and, and you know, some movies sort of. Uh, but you know, no internet, uh, no no broadcasting from from NHL. Uh, actually, I got to see firsthand 
the uh, uh, Canadian team in 1972, on their way to Moscow, they played two games in Stockholm. So, so for the, the summit, summit, si- summit series sum- team, yeah, right, yeah, okay. So, so that was my uh, experience of NHL level hockey. But actually, I was uh, at the time I was fourteen or fifteen years old. I got to meet uh, Ken Dryden and Tony Esposito, and I got some drawings signed by them that I, that I had done because my my big interest in, in in my youth was, you know, arts and hockey. So I did a lot of drawings and stuff, and I got them signed by by uh, Dryden and Esposito. So uh, I was I was very influenced by North American hockey, but th- this was before myself going there. Uh, the hockey I saw was uh, our pro level here in Sweden, and of course the the World Championships, uh, where our our goalies at the time, uh, two of them actually, or three of them at at that time tried out for for pro hockey in North America. Uh, the biggest one was uh, Leif Holmquist. He, he never made it. Uh, the most influential goalie in Sweden, in Swedish history, is Kurt Larsson. He played for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, Christer Abrahamsson played for Hartford Whalers for a couple of years. Both of those guys in WHA. Uh, so so that, that way we saw more and more of North American hockey, but, but our hockey here was, was on a, a lower level, especially on the international side. And mentioned the equipment, the equipment at the time uh, was, of course, the Cooper, the, the Cooper stuff. That, that was, you know, the, the, G, the GM-12s and the GM-21s and the pads were the GP-95s. That's what I played in. Yeah. The brown leather stuff. Long before the age of, of, <laughs> of landing gears and butterflies and pads that rotated properly, uh, a different style of play for sure. How have you seen, obviously the game has evolved internationally, but from your side, before especially you had access to things like the internet and, and saw NHL games, they became more prevalent. You know, Talking to guys like Marcus Naslin when he used to play for the Canucks, like when he grew up, they used to talk about a game of the week on late at night. Um, and then now of course, probably a lot easier to access whatever you need on the internet, but how did that evolution from that older style with those pads and that stand up to what we see now in terms of a modern game, uh, Swedish hockey, Swedish goaltending from, like you said, just one or two guys getting a chance to come over to now being one of the places that the rest of the world looks to, um, not just for innovations, but for goaltenders who can play at the highest level. Yeah, I think uh, a lot a lot happened uh, in the early 2000s. Um, we had a total makeover of our, our hockey in, in, in Sweden. I had already been doing this for quite a while, but uh, the Federation, Sw- Swedish Federation realized we had a problem. So, so we had a, a big summit in Sweden for doing something about our, our junior programs. And at that time, in 2002, we gathered all the people in, in, in Sweden, connected it within hockey, the federation, the clubs, the pro system, uh, the agents, the scouts. And from there on, we have been building our, our Swedish model of development in, in hockey in general. And at that time, we started also our, our program on the national level of, of goalie development. So we, we see it pretty much from, from there. 
from 2002 and on. That's when we really developed as a nation. But at that time, I had already been doing this for for 20 years on on the club level, and I was really surprised after about 10 years of development in the club system and tremendous success for our club team. No other teams in Sweden picked this up with goalie coaching. I was I was still the only goalie coach in Sweden like ten years after I started. Uh, wow. But but in in the mid nineties, I would say uh, it started to grow in Sweden. We had more and more goalie coaches. But uh, when I started out in eighty three, we had uh, the team that I I joined had already won the championship the year before, and we had some less. Uh, successful years but then we had three straight championships in 89 90 91 then we won another two championships in uh, 2000 and 2001 and both of those times we had really really young goalies that we brought up from our own system the first period there was uh tommy soderstrom who, who then later played for the flyers and the islanders who was, uh, I think he was the first European goalie who actually made it in the NHL from the start, not playing in the minors. So his first year in the in Flyers, he played as, as a starting goalie without playing in the minors. And then the second round in, in, the, in the early 2000s was uh, Michael Telquist. And both of those goalies came up in our system and, and won the championship when they were like 21, 22 years old and coming right out of juniors. Yeah, Michael Telk was the guy I've uh, had the pleasure of talking to over the years when he was over here and always enjoyed those conversations. You mentioned the summit, I guess, in, in 2002. Um, the model that came out of that, for people that aren't familiar with the Swedish goaltending development model, can you explain that to a little us to a little bit? What are, what are in your minds the keys Mm-hmm. Um, to the success that it has created nationally and internationally for Sweden mm-hmm. in the goaltending side. Yeah. Um, you know, the Finns were way, way ahead of us to to organize this on a national basis. So we, we looked at them for, for organization to see what they had done. And what we did was, first of all, I was appointed head of goal, goalie coaching in, in, for the federation from 2005. And what we did uh, at the start was building a program with a foundation of educational material that would uh, be catered both for the goalies and for goalie coaches. And then implementing a certification program for coaches because in our system, uh, we cannot do very much as a federation directly towards the players. We sort of lend them for our national teams but they are developed in the club systems. So what we started doing was develop uh, a core of goalie coaches. Starting in 2005, we have now 250 goalie coaches who who have gone through our certification program of six different levels. This is always something I love. Like Rather than as a federation, take it on yourself to try and build a bunch of better goalies, build better goalie coaches and let them build better goalies. You're going to have far greater reach than you would mm-hmm. trying to do it all yourself. It seems to make so much sense. And yet, as you said, Finland, Finland was ahead. There's still some countries that, that haven't gotten to this point. Mm-hmm. 
So that, that was the foundation to have a program, to have a educational system for the goalie coaches and, and being able to speak the same language directly to the goalies as well. So trying to simplify uh, goaltending so we could have the same language, the same foundation. But as uh, I have found a misconception in North America of our program, it is not trying to implement the same kind of goaltending in every goalie. Simplifying the game, have a common understanding, a common language, which is the foundation to actually um, individualize, to work with each goalie from his or her assets, to build on their strength and and develop each individual because that, that's one thing I've always uh, always looked at. Uh, there, there are as many styles as there are goalies, right? Um, there's no one style. I, I don't buy into uh, the con- con- uh, concept of butterfly uh, style because that's not a style. That, that's a way to make saves or maybe even a, a stance. But to, to have a foundation of the technical aspects of the game, uh, understanding of the tactics, then you can really build each individual uh, to his or, or her uh, potential. Uh, we used to see it, we used to hear that a lot in Finland. They would talk about how each region you could identify, especially early on as goalies were coming over to the NHL from there, you could quite often identify what region they were from because even though they had created a central sort of philosophy, there was that variation within regions. And it sounds like you're right. There probably is a misconception there that you guys are trying to build the same goalies all the time. That's what makes the position so great. There's no one way to do this. And it sounds like that's a part of your program, making sure that that's recognized and you're not trying to treat everyone the same, yet still having a somewhat of a common foundation. So you're on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. But if you look at the goalies, you look at the guys right now with uh, Lundqvist or Lehner or Markstrom, you know, they, they don't look the same, right? And actually, I built this from, from I mentioned Thomas Soderstrom, a guy my size is uh, in centimeters like 175 and, and a, a really uh, lightweight guy. Um, when he left for, for the Flyers, we brought in a goalie in, in this was in 93, who was like uh, almost uh, 200 centimeters uh, and a really heavy guy. He couldn't play the same style as Tommy had done. So I had to treat him in a completely different way. And, and, and pl- he had to play in a, in a very different way. So uh, o- already at that time, I, I really focused on the individual assets of each goalie. You're the program and, and in terms of certification, and you mentioned six different levels, does it trickle all the way down to volunteer coaches as well minor hockey or is everybody sort of in a professional designation is it is it and i know your system is different because everything is sort of comes down from a club level down within communities but can you maybe help walk us through that because i think that's the one thing you you know over here at least you end up in minor hockey with parents who are on the ice and quite often they're just there as volunteers and they're not given that foundation that even simple understanding where they can help a kid may not sound that much but we only have 300 club systems with youth hockey in sweden so that that you know get a perspective of that and uh, yes as we started developing or or educating goalie coaches we could 
we we also had the opportunity as a federation to put demands on the clubs. So as things grew from 2005 up until today, we have implemented new demands. So uh, looking at it right now, if you if you're a club on the elite level, which would be our pro league, our second league, our women's league, our junior elite league, they need to have a certified goalie coach who has gone through the whole program. If you go down the levels, you go down to, to youth programs, they need certified goalie coaches, not on the top level, but on, on a mid-level. And then every youth club in Sweden are demanded to have a goalie coach who has been through the first part of it. So different demands on different clubs uh, having hockey on different systems. Or, or levels. Now, do you still all, like, does everyone still get together, whether it's once a year or once every couple of years, and, and, and share notes and compare and, and try and develop philosophies together, sort of a, a national, for lack yeah. of a better term, symposium? Is that still part of, part of the program? Yeah, absolutely. We have, uh, also since we, we uh, educated or had uh, certified more and more coaches, we saw, or I saw, a need for, I, I don't know the, the English or, or English language term for it, but if you, if you go through a program, you need, to, you need a refill, right? You need a, an update. So we offer an update each year since 2012. So every, every, every once a year since 2012, we have an update that we offer to to the coaches who have gone through the program. So actually, this fall, I, I uh, did the eighth consecutive yearly update, and we have different uh, themes each year. Sometimes we uh, meet everyone in one place, like we did when we started in 2012. I always try to bring in as many of the top level coaches, but it goes all the way down to, to the youth program. So anyone is invited. And um, sometimes we do it regionally. Like this year, we did it in five different places. So we had about 170 coaches uh, divided into five different places. So it's easier accessed for people in different parts of the country. Uh, last year, we had uh, one in one place. And, and this year, we also had an extra uh, meeting where we discussed just one theme, the hip issues in, in the goalie world. So uh, different themes, uh, different uh, discussions, and the regional ones this year was actually based on uh, youth, youth goaltending because we have a, a big makeover in Sweden this year that we work in our development program for, for hockey in general on the youth level. To, to see that we, uh, for example, uh, should we play for the, uh, the younger kids? Should they play full ice or half ice or cross ice? Should we uh, have goalies, designated goalies when they're eight years old, 10 years old or 12 years old? So, so a lot of discussions in, in the, on, along those lines. So the game, I mean, the game, and the game is caught. That's the thing about the position, maybe that I love more than the individuality of it, and how there is no one way. Is this constantly evolving, and so that makes sense that you'd have to keep up with it on an annual basis. 
We always used to hear about the manual. I'm not going to try and pronounce it. It's Malkov, and I'm not even going to try, Thomas. You can tell you, I've seen photos of it. Um, is it still relevant? You still use that? Do you update that? Or as the, as the era has changed, as things like the internet have come on, do you need to have a hard printed manual anymore? Uh, actually, we, we use that hard printed one because, because of lo- lack of time of upda- updating. And uh, the most important thing, uh, we don't need to update it because uh, also looking at the fins, uh, we saw that the, go- the game of goaltending was changing so much in the late 90s and early 2000s. So I realized that we cannot do this uh, so technically so much in detail because the details are going to change. So what I mentioned before, to simplify things, we talk about what is goaltending about? What, what are the, the general concepts, the understanding of, the, of, of goaltending? Not so much about the different techniques because they will change. Of course, we, we have descriptions of the basics in techniques. But for example, we did this in 2006, 7, and 8. We don't have the reverse VH. Uh, that is something we have to, to, to add to it. For, for the next um, uh, publication, which will not be the, the binder. It will be a digital one on our website. And that should have been done like three or four years ago, mostly because we miss some parts like the reverse, reverse VH that, you know, a lot of people here in Sweden do it. You know about it. Yep. You know Linda and the SMS. Um, uh, so... There's no big need for it, actually, because everyone is doing it and, and uh, they know about it. Uh, almost the other way around. We, we have to uh, downplay it, I think. Um, but the big thing that needs updating is the pictures because they, they grew old really, really fast. Uh, the equipment, the goalies, the names of the goalies. So yes, we need updating. Those are those. There's some illustra- Are there some illustrations in? I saw. I've seen some pictures, and it looks like there's some illustrations there that I think I've like 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 hand drawings that I think I've seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, th- that's probably. I, I know what you mean, and I think that that's. Uh, I think almost the, uh, I want one of few hand drawings, and uh, that 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 was copied from from your buddy. Uh, Ian Clark it is my yeah that's funny yeah because I know he and, and I was curious like because I, I know he spent some time over there and obviously you know he's a guy that I have a ton of respect for but I think you know much like yourself like he's one of these guys that's just immersed himself in the game so much so what like did you have any experiences with him when he was over there yeah yeah we met uh I think I met him one of his first days here over here when he was working for Moto and they had a road game against our our team so we were in the stands together, actually, on, on the, in the press box. Um, but then I had the opportunity to join him when he was working with Moto and, and their uh, goalie academy. So I spent two days up in Örnsköldsvik with, with him and uh, uh, the goalie coach at the time, uh, Masek Swoosh, yeah. Masken, and uh, Magnus Elin, who then became the goalie coach when uh, Masek moved to another pro team. Yeah. So I spent time with Ian, and uh, I think we have a lot in common. I would have liked. Common. I think I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall of that conversation. Yeah, 
I, I if I if I recall this right, we had the best conversation we had in the sauna. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, excellent stuff. Hey, you mentioned uh, this year's uh, theme uh, of the of the annual gathering. Not for lack of a better term, hips. Mm-hmm. And I did want to get into the hips because you you guys have published uh, or Tobias Werner, if I'm saying it correctly, published yeah. a published a hip study just in the past couple of days. Um, it wasn't why I reached out. We tried to touch base before, but you've been so busy with the NHL over there and, and running these conferences. Um, we've, the timing actually works out perfect, though. Uh, yeah. What did you find in the HIP study? And I think more importantly, because I, I, I don't think it would be a surprise to goaltenders that this is an issue, um, but what are some of the... Are you starting to craft towards answers? And how do we solve this I don't want to say problem, but it seems pretty clear from the numbers in that study that, that maybe something needs to change for us to stop wearing out hips and groins, especially at a young age of these guys. What were some of the overriding themes of, of what you discovered in the study and, and how you see this moving forward? Yeah. Actually, uh, I, I found it was a big problem with, with hips and groins. And, and I, I noticed this is not a Swedish problem. It, it's all over the world. You see uh, pro goalies, you see really young goalies having these problems and they get surgery, which shouldn't have to be done at, at that early age. I've found so, just, I found just like just a little, I did a story. I was part of the research for this, the original Sports Illustrated story on this. This has got to be 12 years ago. And we were finding goalies as young as 12 back then in the United mm-hmm. States having that, having the surgery. Yeah, that, uh, that's awful. Yeah, uh, it should, shouldn't have to be that way, right? No. Um, yeah, so, so I initiated this um, study, and uh, I found this guy, I think, was the perfect guy because he, he didn't really have uh, a lot of experience in hockey, especially not in goaltending, but he, he, he grew really interested. He is, uh, he's a physiotherapist. He is... Uh, uh, research guy and he uh grew really interested in hockey as we we we, uh discussed this and he put his soul and heart into this so he actually for a full year followed all the goalies in sweden on our two top levels pro levels uh women's league and junior program and the, the the great thing about it was that through my connections with the pro coaches with the leagues we got a really good group of goalies who found this so important so they they stayed in the study for a full year and we had a a frequency of of staying in the study of 85 percent which is uh really fantastic in a study like this so he had 101 goalies that he followed for a full, full year uh, to to answer the question, is there is this a problem? Because we've been talking about this for quite a while. I, I had uh, discussions here in Sweden, and when I've been in North America, for example, with uh, Maria Mountain and uh, other people involved in hockey over there, especially on the physical side, and uh, we know there's that that there's a problem, but we want to find out, you know, how how big is the problem. Um, because we need a starting point. We need a starting point to, to try to start figuring out 
how we can work this uh, to to uh, prevent this from happening. And if we have a starting po- point, we can also in the in, in the future um, compare if we had any any success in changing things. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and uh, yes, the. Um, the answer was definitely we have a problem, uh, and, and the interesting thing here was that he didn't only look at at time loss. When, when do we lose goalies uh, to injury so they can't practice or play? Because this was also do they experience problems in uh, the da- daily life, and uh, do they experience? Uh, problems, but they still practice. And I think that is what we uh, found out is the biggest problem. We have so many goalies who, who, uh, who, re- who have experienced problems in uh, their uh, hip and groin area, but they continue to practice. And that makes the, the problem even worse, right? Uh, so uh, the, uh, the, the problems we have they are mainly overuse because they continue to practice and they com- continue to uh, to uh, to play. So if you look at the figures, almost seventy percent of the goalies experience problems. If you look over a full season, and if you look at any specific time during the season and look into this group of goaltenders, almost thirty percent of them experience problems at each time of the season. Problems which uh, lead to time loss from games or practice. It's uh, 35% of the goalies uh, experience that sometime during a season. And anytime during a season, 10% of our goalie crop are out of practice or game. And that, that's, not, that's not acceptable, especially since these guys who, who continue to practice. They, they uh, build on their overuse symptoms and they get worse and worse, right? So uh, this is a, a problem that is probably also growing over time. So what do we do? Um, I think uh, when I gather now Tobias, Maria Mountain, uh, who I brought over here, and uh, a lot of our some coaches on, on various lower levels and had discussions about this. I think what we agree on is we absolutely have to long-term look at the technical parts. Do we have to play? Should we play the way we do now? And that is the butterfly. Well, we won't t- be able to take that out. But could we practice it less? Could we have less repetitions? The reverse VH, perhaps we could uh, play it in different ways than we do now. Could we look at the equipment if we should, uh, if, we need, if we find out that we, the best way to play goal uh, in, in relation to our posts, that is reverse VH. First of all, could we look at the equipment? Could we look at how many repetitions we have? In, in practice, uh, because this is overuse, right? 
Right. And it's, and especially if we look at kids, because there are other studies in this field that absolutely tell us that the biggest onset of this problem is during the growth spurt, which is like 14, 15 years old. Yep. So that is the biggest problem. And looking at equipment, for example, should we have the same rules for knee stacks for 15-year-olds as we demand on our pro goalies in the National Hockey League because we want more goals scored? Is that, you know, that's insane. So uh, there are several things I think we should look at equipment-wise, but most of all, how do we practice on ice and how do we prepare off ice? Well, I wanted to just, just quickly to touch on there because a lot of people won't, you know, not everyone will understand the relation on knee stacks. Obviously, the higher, thicker your knee stack is, for those that are wondering why Thomas mentioned that, the thicker your knee stack is, the more you change that angle between hips, knees, and ankles, the higher mm-hmm. the knee is, as long as the ankle is able to get to the ice, the less stress through that chain and into the hip rotation. So just for listeners who are listening to that, and obviously the NHL mandated a max, I think it was one and a half inches. It was always in the rules. Most goalies were cheating. And when the NHL cracked down on it, I'll say it was about 10 years ago, we had a rash of groin injuries. And it was pretty clear right. that that was the reason why. I've had this discussion with Maria Mountain before, actually at the when you were there at the... Um, the Nashville Symposium put on by Network Goaltending. Uh, yeah. and, and I'm totally on board with that. The idea that young goalies, like, okay, we've got rules at the pro level. And as you age, you're, if you have ambitions towards that, you're probably going to have to get to that smaller knee stack. But you know, maybe should it be thicker in younger goalies so we're not adding that stress at a young age? That's a, that's a, it's a great concept. It's one I've wanted to get into with her a little more in it. It just seems to make a ton of sense, Thomas. I, I used to approach it like, well, if you're going to have to end up back at one and a half inches anyways, you know, is that a bad thing to, to get used to having more support? But if we're saving hips, it seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, wh- why not practice with, with, with uh, higher knee stacks, for example, if you think you have to do more repetitions than is uh, what is uh, good for your health, right? Right. And you should, I think it's really important that you take into consideration that maybe you have in certain time frames during your career, you need to, to build a technical foundation, right? You need to practice a lot in, in, in these really, really bad angles of your hips and your knees, but not as much as we do now, I think. And it's, it's really important that you, you uh, prepare your body for, the, for being in those positions. And by preparing your body, you don't have to be in those different positions and angles. You can, you can uh, build strength at length, as Maria says, uh, in very controlled fashions, not not uh, mimicking reverse VH, for example, build your uh, stability and your strength, not being in those positions, but preparing yourself to be in those positions when you get into a game. You mentioned also practice habits. I think one of the things, and I've certainly written about it enough over here at the NHL level, like the amount of times the focus is often on the butterfly and the butterfly drops and, and how much of 
team practices really aren't doing much for a goaltender. So to put them in there and have them make all those drops when they're not really working on their game, they're basically glorified target practice would probably add to it. But the one thing I did wonder is, as we have heard a lot of people talk about, hey, let's just focus on skating uh, and less butterflies in practice. And anecdotally, because we know, I think the last study I saw, it was is it four times the body weight is that that's how much pressure there is on the hips when you perform a butterfly drop at, at the highest level. Um, so that's obviously not good for the hips. The one part I wondered though, T pushes that hard. And I've seen it uh, working at Hockey Canada last summer, the Quebec goalies, um, mm-hmm. like the philosophy was hard push, hard stop, like literally what they were being taught, hard push, hard stop. And I cringed hearing it just listening yeah. to the sounds of the starts and the stops, that heel kicking out so hard just to stop on a... So so if you're skating that hard, you know, is there... You know, I, I've, I've heard some rumblings about studies where there may... I don't know if it's as much damage or pressure without the drop, but the internal rotation of that stop and that hard stop with the heel kick out can be... I don't know if it's just as damaging. I don't want to put the wrong words out there but can be just as much, if not more, internal rotation in the hip as, as dropping into the butterfly. Like, is that something you guys are looking at as well? More skating, less butterfly might, if you're not skating properly, might not necessarily be the answer either. Mm, absolutely. Uh, what you were referring to is uh, Ryan Frayne, who did this for CCM. And, and uh, I follow that closely. I met uh, Ryan also in, in, in uh, Brackenridge with uh, Justin Goldman. And uh, I, Definitely, I think that that is as bad. Uh, that that is actually one thing we focused on when we had this uh, uh, gathering for youth coaches. Now in, in the fall, here in five different places, we we are discussing uh, the the need for the T push. In what situations do you need the T push? Uh, and the T push in itself, I don't I don't think it's uh, that troublesome with the push. But it's it's a stop, it's a stop when you have when you're in full motion, uh, big push, and then you rotate your your lead skate to make that stop. That that is the big problem, and especially if you have really sharp skates. And this is the actually the first thing that uh, Henrik Lundqvist uh, changed in his game when he came to the Rangers, and that what is it ten years ago. Uh, and he had inside edge high. Yeah. Inside edge high and really sharp skates. And they told him maybe it was Benoit Allaire. Maybe it was the physiotherapist that, uh, you're not going to last for more than a couple of years in the, uh, in this league. If you, if you continue doing this. So he absolutely changed that. Uh, so it, it's nothing new, but it's brought to our attention now when we discuss the huge uh, um, numbers in, in hip, hip problems. I never thought about sharpening. That's actually, you know, when we talk about equipment, um, certainly mm-hmm. how you strap your pads, some of the pad options. You mentioned uh, the knee stacks. You know, mm-hmm. I, just the other day, I was talking to Craig Anderson, and he was he was he'd been switching over to Bauer, and he changed how he strapped around the knee, and. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, I get into reverse VH and there's so much less pressure on my hips because mm. I'm, I'm wearing it looser at the knee. So how we wear our pads, how we sharpen our skates can impact our hip and our groin health for sure. Absolutely. And I think there are some more things we could look into. Uh, 
I had a discussion about this uh, with, with Ryan Frayne a couple of years ago too, uh, because this is, has been an ongoing process. Um, what about if we, we have something on our, our, uh, the back of our pants or on our, on our uh, outside of our pads that w- will not allow the, especially the kids we talk about, the yeah. 13, 14, 15, to get into that deep angle when they're in the reverse VH? You know, it, you see what I mean? Yeah, I'm just, because, I'm, you can see me making faces. I picture it yeah, in my head. Yeah. yeah. Try a reverse VH without equipment. You will get into a really, really bad angle, right? But but the equipment we have now will will be be better for you. But it could be even better if we have some some padding there that won't allow the goalie to get into the deepest crouch when down in the reverse. And, and of course, technically, we could discuss uh, skate on post or uh, uh, toe box on post or uh, pad inside post. And uh, we, we could also discuss in what situations we use the reverse because, because that, that is one of the biggest problems, I think, the reverse VH. And we have seen in our system the clubs, the clubs that started out this process with the, the reverse VH and also did it you know, with a lot of repetitions. They also had the, the largest amount of problems early on in the process. With with hips, you mean? Yeah, with hips, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So obviously, not a not a technique that's going away, but we can evolve how we coach it, how much we rep it out, how we wear our equipment, all these different things to to take a closer eye at hip help. So, what's the next step for you? Like, are are you in terms of this study? What's the next step towards trying to come up with some solutions? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we will uh, have we will see in the future if it's next year or whenever it will be. I think we will have a follow up study to follow up what's going on and see more because we we need to have a closer look at what is the actual problem. Is it the groin? Is it the hip? And the hip is very very complicated joint. So uh, we need to have uh, each goalie who has a problem has to be diagnosed. What is the problem? Because it, it's really hard to diagnose, right? Uh, what what, it, what could be uh, FIA or uh, uh, what what could be uh, uh, a groin problem, what could be a hamstring, what, you know, it, it, you need to look, take a closer look at each goalie to see right. what, what, what is the actual problem. So that, that will make for a new study. And uh, along that, or uh, parallel to that, we will absolutely uh, continue the discussions on uh, preparation off ice, uh, how we practice on ice, the, the load on ice, how, how many repetitions uh, in different age groups, and the equipment. So we will continue this discussion, uh, especially here in Sweden with our group of coaches from our standpoint of the federation. And I will welcome anyone who wants to take part in that discussion. And, and I brought in Maria Mountain from, from, uh, from your side of the 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 ocean there and, and uh she's the best she's the best yeah absolutely you know we we we've had this discussion for i, I think it's five years now marina myself and one thing that we really looked into also is the uh the, the neutral hip position yeah which which is a long-term thing 
we will not be able to do that with uh, with the, the the goalies we have now. But if we start to implement that idea with the younger kids, and we will not be able to motivate them saying that you know if you have a more neutral hip position, you will you will avoid uh, injury. That is not motivation enough. But we if we tell them you will move like Carey Price. If you have a more neutral hip position, I think that will motivate them. And a uh, 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 side effect of that will be a healthier hip. Yeah, the biomechanics of movement yeah. tied to the biomechanics yeah. of health. If you can improve yeah. efficiencies in both, you're going to get a lot more buy-in then. Because the, right. the 12-year-olds aren't worried about what their hips are going <laughs> to like when they're 20. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, these discussions are fascinating, Thomas. Um, just catch me up on what, like, what is your over, like, what is the technical position? How would, how, how should we, when I get Darren to introduce this after we talk, how do we introduce you now? What's your day-to-day like right now? What's the, what's the main focus and the main role? You, we're always having these big conversations about goaltending. You're always having these big conversations and big pictures, but what's your day-to-day? What's technically the job title? Tell it, tell our listeners, uh, what it looks like. Well, I'm I'm head of uh, goaltending or director of goaltending for the Swedish uh, Ice Hockey Association, which we also always refer to as Federation because that's uh, people people understand that better. But the uh, official pronouncing our, our federation is the Swedish Ice Hockey Association, which is uh, you know equivalent to Hockey Canada or USA Hockey. And uh, I my my job description is. Uh, overlooking everything that's connected with goaltending, which is uh, what I mentioned with the educational material, our certification program, uh, educational coaches, but also um, the player side. So I'm head of a player development uh, concerning goalies. So I, 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 uh, I appoint the goalie coaches for all our national teams and I coach the coaches. So we have a a common understanding of what we're doing in, in all our national teams. And uh, for the past, I would say, four years, my uh, day-to-day uh, work has involved uh, more and more scoring. I, I say that uh, not so loud. I whisper it, scoring. Uh, I, I think that's you know something that we can bring to the game of hockey that uh, we, we, uh, we coach the players uh, more about scoring. And I think one way why I think this is good, because it's better that they uh, develop their scoring than they start or continue this discussion of bigger nets or smaller equipment. It's better that they focus on scoring. And also when I teach or coach scoring, I learn more that I can teach my goalies. So I look at it from 180 degree position and, and I find out, oh, it's even more important that we, we coach uh, controlled movement, uh, uh, being controlling your movement so you can, uh, uh, because we, when we talk about scoring, we talk a lot about shots against the grain. Right. Uh, crossing the, the slot line, road, 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 slot yeah. line, yeah. And uh, shooting back where the goal is coming from, so passing or or, or uh, skating across the the center line and then shooting back, and that is something we have to improve in goaltending. You know, since the the players are getting better, 
and the, the, the shots are getting better and, and uh, uh, the accuracy is getting better. So that puts higher demands on the goalies. So it works both ways. So it's, it develops the game uh, in both ways. I never thought of it from the perspective of if if, if the goalie coaches, because this is a trend that's happened over here as well, right? The Washington Capitals basically built their offensive plan around the advice of their goaltending coach and the analytics of Steve Aliquette and won a cup that way. But I never thought about it. Hey, if goalies, it was always that whispered, if goalies are helping create goals, it's going to help us avoid those larger nets. That's a great way of thinking about it. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. The, the reason that we, the f- scoring's finally up is they finally asked the smartest people in the room, the goaltenders. Right. And, and also one, one great example is what happened in, in uh, St. Louis last year. Right. Uh, when, when the new coach let, let uh, the goalie coach. Uh, David Alexander. Get in, yeah. Get David in, into the room and present uh, scoring. So uh, that, that was uh, one important thing around their turnover of their season when they were last in, in December and they finished first in the playoff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, the old school coaches just tell you to get pucks to the net. The goalie coaches know that's not how you score goals. So they've turned to us to figure out how to score. And it's, uh, now it's our turn, like you said, to, to also combat it at the same time. So that's awesome mm-hmm. stuff. Thomas, thank you so much for the time. Uh, really appreciate this. One of these days is going to have to get out there to Sweden to watch you in action. Uh, I know our listeners, our audience is going to uh, really eat this conversation up and I've enjoyed it as well. So uh, we'll have to, as the, as the conversation continues, as the research goes on, we'll have to stay in touch because I know people will want to hear your voice again. It was really enjoyable. Thanks. My pleasure, Kevin. And I really enjoy listening to your uh, podcast. So th- this one will be just another one for, for me to listen to. Oh, thank you very much. That means That means a lot coming from you. Thank you very much, Thomas. That, that end of the interview, that's uh, pretty cool when he says he listens to the podcast all the time. Uh, I'm not going to be too cool not to pretend that uh, that, that didn't mean something. Well, hey, he, listen, uh, we said at the beginning, like he really is the godfather of goaltending, not just in Sweden, but in Europe. Like he actually predates Francois Lair in terms of being a professional level goalie coach working for a pro team. He also predates us, Darren. They've had a podcast going in Sweden a goalie-specific podcast, him and Stefan Lati, who uh, runs the World Championships team as, as the goalie coach for Sweden. Um, they've had that going long before we started. Every time I see a, a tweet about a new edition of their podcast, you know, you can hit translate tweet on Twitter and you can read what it's about. And I get really bitter that I can't just hit translate podcast because I would love to listen to those conversations. It's been really popular in Sweden. Unfortunately, it's in Swedish. So we can't listen to it, but not only did he beat uh, pretty much anyone to professional goaltending coaching, he beat us to the podcast. Uh, the the different uh, innovations and the depth of which they've uh, they've taken the uh, art of goaltending and the effect of the goaltending position on the body is uh, is really intriguing. Hutch uh, touched on a number of, of different areas, but the hips. Uh, certainly uh, dominating uh, everybody's focus right now. Yeah, for sure. They Well, I mean, the interview for me just started when he talked about the old gear because I'm sitting here staring at my Cooper GP21 Trapper that is the best Christmas present I ever received as a kid. I can still remember getting that pro-level Trapper that Dryden was using when I was probably about 12 years old, far too young. Did to- you oil it? Did you oil it when you broke it in? Mink oil. Yeah, mink oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And uh, yeah. And then I remember, remember I've still got the Velcro strap on it that I put on when I first saw Palmateer wearing one around the wrist too. So loved the setup to the interview, but, but you brought up the hips and absolutely I'll put my goalie parent hat on and we'll tell you that I'm going to start experimenting with some larger knee stacks for my kid, just to see if we can take some stress off the hips. And he also wears very sharp skates. So a lot of food for thought, nothing, nothing I hadn't heard before in some conversations with Kevin before, but it's, it's great when the Godfather brings it up, you really start to listen, don't you? Mm, did he just say that he listens to Thomas when he says it, but doesn't listen when Kevin says it? Well, Kevin talks so I much, heard? sometimes I just sort of tune out and it's hard to really focus in on what I need to listen to. Uh, that's fair. I'm not, ar- I, I'm not arguing. With? Yeah. Uh, so we, we have uh, 2020 right around the corner and it's, it's not the actual uh, calendar that the goaltending world though works off of, but, the, but rather a couple of months later when a lot of the new gear is going to come out, we're going to see some of it at the World Junior Championship. And then get a little bit of a sneak peek, but we won't really, those of us uh, in public circles aren't going to be able to get our hands on it. But, uh, but Woodley and Hutch are both ahead of the curve. And, uh, and Woody reached out to uh, our friend via social media, one of the, uh, the industry leaders on the platform of Instagram, Goalie Gear Nerd, to get an idea of what's in the hopper regarding goaltenders. Woody. Yeah, and we talked. It was we started just talking a little bit about, uh, and we kind of went over the trends that we liked in 2019 from a goalie equipment standpoint. And a lot of them are, you know, finally we're getting some pro level options, uh, custom options that weren't necessarily available before to retail for Joe Blow and the beer leaguers. And so we went over some of the things that we thought were the best trends of 2019 and looked ahead to 2020. It's a fun conversation with our friend. I wasn't sure what to call him though. Like goalie gear nerd, Mr. Nerd. Yeah, I know. So I kind of stumbled on that a little bit, but I just, I just kind of called him Mr. Nerd and we went from there. I like Mr. Nerd. It's very formal. Mr. Nerd, Senior Nerd. Yeah, and if you've ever yeah, talking, if you've ever met him in person, he's a pretty formal guy. So I think Mr. Nerd works. Uh, graphics, skates, and composite sticks with Woody and Goalie Gear Nerd. We are pleased to welcome to Ingo Radio Podcast for the first time ever, probably long overdue. Goalie Gear Nerd. Do I like? Do I call you Mr. Nerd? Just Nerd? And 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 I say this with. All the respect in the world. I think the one of the badges that I wear with honor was once when Johan Hedberg, um, goalie coach, uh, formal of the San Jose Sharks, said uh, he called me a geek, and he said it, that it was meant as an endearing term. So how do we go here? Just goal, just nerd, gear nerd. What do we? How do we do it? Uh, yeah, you can call me whatever you want, Kevin. Sincerely, uh, yeah, gear nerd or, or whatever. I'm 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 pleased to be on. Obviously, a longtime fan of everything uh, you all do in goal. So uh, really, uh, really excited to, to be on with you. Well, we thought it would be perfect to have you on, Mr. Nerd. We'll go that way. Well, we thought it'd be perfect <laughs> to have you on. It's, it's the end of the year. Everybody's doing their top 10 lists, wrapping up you know, the, 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 the top saves, top trends, top stories of 2019. And who better to talk to when it comes to trends in goal? And we wanted to have you on, look back at what you, what you thought were the top trends in 2019. What are some of the things you're looking for in 2020? So I'm just going to open the floor. What do you see as you look back on 2019, a big year for goalie gear? What are the ones that jump out at you as the top trends for, especially on the consumer side, the stuff that you and I can access uh, and, and all, our, all our friends and fans that love the position can access at retail? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's perfectly put because there is these two worlds that kind of exist. And it's what we see 
that is happening in the NHL and then what it is that us beer leaguers can go to our favorite retailers and, and pick up. And there, there has been a disparity at times between those two worlds, but uh, the big companies kind of helped bring those together a little bit more this year um, in really two really meaningful ways. So from a graphics perspective, Bauer launched their true design program uh, later uh, 2019. And what that did was it gave all of us the opportunity to uh, actually purchase and create our own custom graphic Bauer gear that leverages, leverages their digital printing technology. And they're really the only ones that are doing this digital printing to this level. This is something that they've taken years to refine. And the real difference maker here uh, is the fact that this digital printing really opens the doors uh, in terms of graphic customization to levels really not previously seen. Um, traditionally, the way you do custom graphics on Goalie Gear was layering Gen Pro uh, and synthetic leather on the face of a pad in such a way to create an image. And that could be uh, really beautiful and rich, but it also is a little bit limiting in terms of what you can do. So from the, from the types of colors that, that Gen Pro comes in, the amount of layers you can put there, there are certain limitations. And what the digital printing allows for, because that imagery is actually printed into the material itself, you can get greater detail. Uh, really, the, the amount of colors is much more vast, and the complexity of the imagery is increased. You can create really sharp images, um, but you also can do really kind of um, faded and subtle images. So you can do things like shadows and really kind of great color gradients, things that uh, imagery and, and, and graphics that you really can't do when it comes to the traditional custom graphics. So that's been really exciting. And as we now are able to, to get our own uh, uh, true design sets, and, and you've already seen some really incredible ones out there, you don't have to only be a pro to get access. Now all of us can, can get access to this program. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun to see. Uh, to me, one of the cool parts was seeing Henrik Lundqvist sort of make his look that uh, his set of, of True Design Bowers, it's kind of become iconic, right? Like that's him now, that the Statue of Liberty design that they came up with. What's your favorite from this past year? And there's been so many good ones. Oh, that is a fantastic question. That really kind of put me on the spot, but I, I love it because you're absolutely right. Lundqvist has been able to create kind of a design. It used to be you create kind of a, uh, a graphic motif or icon for yourself with your mask painting. You think of Belfort, or you think of Pop Vin and Lundquist with the Statue of Liberty. And he's be able to actually then move that into his gear, which is, which is so cool and has a lot of different variations of the, those themes uh, in his, uh, in his Bauer gear. I think some of the best setups we've been seeing though, quite honestly, having the stuff you see at the major junior level at the college level, those are really the levels that I've always said have some of the most creativity in terms of their graphics. So there is a variety of, uh, really, if you want to see some great ones, go look at what's happening in the major junior. Um, it's just some amazing uh, images uh, and graphics that these kids are coming up with because they're really willing to be aggressive. I think um, there's a gentleman who plays for, his name's Eric, and I'm going to butcher his last name. It's Portofillo. Uh, you might probably pronounce it better than I can. He plays for the uh, Fighting Saints, and I, he's also playing for Team Sweden in the World Juniors, and he's got that set of armor imagery on his gear for the Fighting Saints. And he's got a beautiful Team Sweden setup as well. Um, and those are probably my two of my favorite true design setups. So it's not just the pros now that have those amazing true design setups. Other, uh, other players do. And now you can actually see them in the local, at your local rink, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, and I actually, I, I've been remiss. I haven't told, not that our listeners need, they all know who you are and where they can find you, but you had that set to me, that Sweden set is one of the nicest ones I've seen. Just to, the richness of the graphic. It's sort of the simple Trey Corona, 
Um, but the way you, like you talked about all the background, you had it up on your Instagram and on your Twitter. Of course, that's at Goalie Gear Nerd. If anybody needs to, like everybody should know this by now, but go check it out. Um, that was one of the best ones. What are some of the other trends you've seen? Uh, especially as, as we talk about, you know, that the bringing pro to retail. Yeah. So, uh, the other, the other area has really been skates. Now you've been able to get custom skates as of last year with uh, true, uh, true, obviously acquired VH and VH really came in, uh, to the, the goalie skate market, the pro level and quickly took over the majority of the market share and, and true who now owns, uh, VH still has that mar- uh, majority market share of pros in their custom boots. But this year, what we've seen is uh, Bauer and CCM also launch programs for custom skates uh, with, with really compelling products. And for those of you that haven't had the opportunity to, to get custom skates, you literally go to a retailer and they scan your foot and they, uh, the boot of the skate itself is um, created into those exact measurements. And Obviously, for goalies that have unusual feet, this is a huge relief because the hockey skates are some of the most unforgiving types of footwear you can you can own. But even for people like myself um, who have relatively normal feet, uh, it, it, the performance differences between custom boots and a stock boot are pretty profound. Obviously, all of our movement as goalies derive from our foot in the skate and the blade meeting the ice, and really that custom fit. Uh, eliminates any lag. You get just a li- that that enhanced um, feeling and drive and performance, all while you're wearing a much more comfortable skate. So with Bauer launching the My Bauer program for their custom skates, CCM launched Total Custom, and they also came out with their first cowlingless skate, uh, the FD2 Jet Speed. It's a great skate uh, as well. Um, really, two new compelling products. So now when you go to a retail, you have several options uh, for your custom skates and bring that. To all of us uh, is is really a big difference maker in my opinion. Yeah, I know we've had uh, lots of positive feedback on the FT2 um, from testers that have tried just a stock one. And personally, I was lucky enough to be the guy that got fitted from the Ingol crew for my own custom. And it's kind of just like putting off on a slipper. I remember the first time I put it on and then took it off, and there was sort of like that suction cup sound as you pulled the heel out. <laughs> that sort of that little pop, and it was like, ooh, that is fit and snug. Um, but snug in a good way, not in a bad way. So I'm with you on that one. Uh, the expansion of custom skates has been, been that's, that's a big one, especially once you've stopped growing. Maybe a little tougher for the kids who are growing real fast. But once you're into, you know what your size of skate is, um, I don't want to say it's a must-have, but for me, it would be from this point forward. Uh, the other one I want to talk to you a little bit about is, is, uh, is sticks. Um, I wrote an article in NHL.com. I've written it, I think I wrote it two years ago. And and we saw an increase to composite, and now it's like pretty much almost all composite. Uh, talk about that trend uh, away from foam core at the NHL level, and how we're going to see that continue down to retail. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right, and, and I definitely encourage anyone who hasn't written, uh, read, excuse me, Kevin's article. It is the best um, article. It's really comprehensive, kind of on the topic. But that is a trend that has been identified for a while and it continues to this season. And you're seeing really foam core is going away by the wayside. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think from a logistical perspective, um, the, a lot of the companies are either like with warriors shutting down their finish um, uh, foam core stick maker. And some of the other consolidations been happening in Canada with foam core stick makers. Um, it's more difficult to produce, but also from the pro perspective, um, really them being uh, understanding and seeing the benefits of composite, more and more and more. Pros tend to be very reticent, and you know more than I do, than I do, Kevin, given your 
level of interaction with them. But pros tend to be, they're very stubborn. And, and, and I mean, rightfully so to a point because they, they've gotten to the highest levels of the game wearing the, the gear that they have on. So they're reticent to change anything. And again, I can understand that. But as Composite has been out for so long, now they're already seeing the benefits. So you've got people like Bobrovsky this year that, that finally has moved over. And I thought he'd be one of the very last to move over to a composite stick. He has he now moved. And then you've seen a, a number of others, uh, Salog, uh, Georgia, the, have all moved over out of foam core and other, the, uh, into composite. And the, the companies are doing a really great job of kind of explaining the, the values uh, as of composite over foam core. The consistency is better. Stiffness, weight, a variety of uh, different things that make it superior to foam core. And are doing things for people like Alex Salok and Bobrovsky, being able to give them custom uh, handles at the pa- top of the paddle um, so that they can at least have a similar grip to their previous foam cores um, so to make that transition just a little bit easier. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one for us at Ingle with the new Ingle Premium product. We've been in the room a lot uh, going over sticks and how guys tape sticks and why they have certain custom grips. And so we'll definitely continue to roll that out. We had fun with Malcolm Subban. I mean, everything from spray paint to baby powder on his twigs. So uh, there's some fun, fun little insights on why guys, uh, why guy tape it, why they put trigger grips in there. Uh, and you're right, it has. It's interesting, though. I will say this. Um, you're right. They have, they, the companies have done a good job of getting these guys on board with composite. Um, but a lot of the guys, the, the, the reality is the first switch was as foam core, be, there was less and less of it available. It became harder and harder to maintain consistency and, and quality in the pro product of foam core because you just didn't have as many to choose from to basically get the good wood, so to speak. Um, and, and so as guys got frustrated with that, what they liked about the composite is they switched and it took time for them to switch, but you know, the consistency from one to the next, there, there is no difference from one batch. You're not worried about a good batch, a bad batch. And that is something that it started to happen more and more often on the foam core side of things. So guys at the NHL level, level really start to dig that consistency. And, and the next trend, and we had Adam Gans from uh, CCM on talking about this. To me, the next trend, and it started with EFLEX 4 stick. And we saw this in the foam core. Warrior was uh, sort of ahead of curve on the foam core side. Uh, I think CCM is is there with their eFlex four stick. The idea of different stiffnesses in the paddle, different flex for different shooting profiles. And talking to Adam when we had him on the podcast, it sounds like we could get to the point where goalies can be like players. You know, I want an eighty-two stiffness with a low kick point and that type of individuality in terms of guys' preferences for shooting the puck. Maybe you know, talk about custom and and the trend towards custom. That could be what's next in goalie sticks. I, I, I think it's a fantastic point, and it does seem a tad counterintuitive, doesn't it, the, given that how dialed in goalies are into their gear uh, that uh, really up until this point and until recently and only the pro level now, and maybe we'll see this, uh, as you said, maybe available to uh, spear leaguers in the future. But the idea that we still have to, you know, we can order a custom set of gear, custom graphics, but we have to basically pull a stick off of a shelf that has exactly the same specs as the one to the left and to the right of it. Um, is, is a little counterintuitive. So yeah, I think it's very possible that that will be something that in the future we'll see. Well, especially if I start telling the goalies that they're behind the shooters on anything because they don't like to be behind the shooters on <laughs> anything. No. Okay, what are you looking for in 2020? We've hit we've hit 2019. There's a lot of exciting stuff coming out. We won't get into... Sp- I mean, this is part of the gig for you and me. We're, 
We're on the inside. We know what a lot of this new stuff is going to look like. Obviously, a lot of excitement over CCM access. We won't get into tech spec. What about just general overall trends as the innovation continues at the pro and retail side? What are you, what are you excited about for 2020? Yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be a really exciting year. And it's really two things, innovation and, and, and masks. And I think innovation in the sense of performance, um, really all of it, and again, we can't go into specifics, but really all the companies this year are coming out with really compelling products from an innovation perspective. As is expected, certain years when you introduce a line and a new line, uh, and you have been a subsequent iteration, it's really subsequent iteration can be going back and really fixing all the small things that you kind of learned the two years that product was out. The second iteration is an enhanced version of the first iteration. This year isn't that. Um, 2020 is going to be a truly kind of innovative year uh, in terms of what you're seeing in the gear. A lot of time thinking and research, and that's a big thing a lot of the companies have been talking about, the level of research they've, that they've gone into to develop these products. You're going to see some really compelling uh, products this year from an innovation perspective. And then for masks, this is, I think, also going to be a big area uh, in 2020. Really, a couple of years ago, it was very obvious that there was a significant concussion problem happening on the NHL and really kind of at all levels of the game. And it takes these companies, um, you know, 18 months to 24 months to really dive into a product and start developing it before it hits the shelves. All of them have taken that information very seriously, really poured a lot more time and effort into their uh, mask design. And a lot of them, um, most of the companies this year are bringing out uh, really uh, the fruits of that research in 2020 trying to really enhance that product and make the position as safe as it possibly can be. Now we got a lot of people that are going to be listening like, tell us, tell us what's coming. <laughs> don't, don't worry, folks. We will all in due time. It's still 2019. There's plenty. It doesn't come out till April. Some of it may. There's plenty of time. Make sure, of course, I'm going to say you got to keep it on ingoldmag.com and the new premium product, but make sure you check out Goalie Gear Nerd at Goalie Gear Nerd on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, this guy's on top of everything as well, knows his stuff. And as much as uh, we like to say, check us out, check him out too. You'll see all the latest stuff um, as soon as you can. Uh, not a competition. We kind of just kind of work hand in hand. Uh, he does a great job. We try and do a great job. And, and it's, it's, it's peace, love, dope as we head into the new year. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time. To, to to talk with us today. We're definitely going to have to get you on a little more in the near future. Dial into your expertise as some of these new new equipment lines start to launch in 2020. Mr. Goalie Gear Nerd, thanks so much for joining the Ingle Radio Podcast. Kevin, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Mr. Goalie Gear Nerd, senor. <laughs> Did I cover my bases there? Uh, that was fun, Woody. Nice job. Yeah, I know. Good guy. We met him uh, once at uh, CCM in Montreal a couple of years ago. And yeah, he's, uh, we'll have him on a little more often. Uh, so we've got uh, knee stacks. That's what uh, Hutch is going to work on. Uh, anything that, uh, that you yourself are going to focus on as we transition into 2020 on your gear, uh, Woody? I mean, there's, there's a couple of different things. Uh, I, would, I would like you to maybe add a dangler. Uh, that's not too much to, to ask. But uh, what are you thinking for your gear in, in the new year? Uh, truthfully, and I think this isn't a trend we talked about. I'm thinking about chopping an inch off the top. I'm thinking about ordering some of our custom really? stuff in a smaller size. Um, had this conversation with Freddie Anderson when he was in town uh, about the inch he lost on his gear. I mean, guy's six foot three, six foot four, and he's basically wearing like a medium pad. 
uh, and and how it reduces some of the interference. And we, and we went back and forth quite a bit on it. I, I do find myself when I play in taller equipment, just naturally widening out my stance. And as soon as you widen out your stance, you lose mobility, you get locked in a little lower and wide. Um, when we had our Brian's Optic 2 set, they came in a 34 plus one. And I'm traditionally a guy who orders our stuff in a 34 plus two. Uh, there wasn't that long ago, Hutch. Remember, we'd order stuff in like 34 plus two and a half, even trying to get that maximum thigh rise. And I find now, um, you know, going to that 34 one for plus Brian's. And hey, the reality, guys, is like at the NHL level, nobody's got pluses anymore. Like with the new sizing charts, nobody has pluses. And when I see a guy like Freddie Anderson actually chop the height of his pads and make them smaller on purpose, and talk about the increased mobility, and then just having to kind of feel like I felt better in it myself, I'm absolutely going to give it a try in 2020. So if we jumped the shark with big gear, have we, between uh, the National Hockey League and Hockey Operations and Kay Whitmore and the work that they've done, that now goaltenders are doing it themselves when it comes to, to large gear? Well, that was a point that Freddie made. Every time they cut the gear, they got better. Right now, maybe not so much the chest protectors. I don't think the goalies were super, super happy with that one last year. Um, but look when they went from 12 inches to 11 inches wide, uh, mobility increased. And, uh, and I do think that, that there are some, listen, the game's never been faster laterally. Steven Valiquette told us, I think it was 1300 more plays across the slot line last year compared to the season before teams are specifically targeting it. It's not happening in my beer league, obviously it's just always wide open left to right. But as you have to move left to right, if your gear is playing a role in widening out your stance and Thomas talked about wide and sharp skates getting locked in low. Um, it limits your mobility. So shorter pads can increase your mobility, especially if they're, you're wearing ones right now that are long enough that the top of the thigh rise interferes with one another as you move. So I, to me, it's something that's at least worth checking out that, that, that Freddie Anderson guy's having a pretty darn good season playing in shorter pads with the Maple Leafs. Higher knee stack, shorter pads. What a concept. And mobility improves and um, your health uh, should also go along with it. Uh, we look and follow that trend as well and see what what is the next RVH that lies ahead. That next innovation in stopping technique or save technique that is around the corner. Because we always know there's innovation uh, around every corner. For Kevin Woodley, David Hutchison, I'm Darren Millard. Happy holidays, everybody. Be safe, be happy, and make sure that you're stopping every puck that you can.